Now to get us started tonight, I have a question that I want to ask you. How many of you actually enjoy living with your parents? All right, all right. How many of you, how many of you would say that you cannot wait to move out of your parents' house? There we go. There we go. I'm right, I'm right there with that group. Now, right before Josh and I got married, I was at that point where I literally could not wait to move out of my parents' house. I was ready to have my own place. I was ready to have some space of my own, be able to, to have friends over, to hang out, be able to, to have a dog because my parents wouldn't let me have my own dog when I lived with them. And you can judge me if you want, but I also had a Pinterest board de dedicated to how I was going to decorate my first house. I know the girls will understand. Guys, I don't, I don't expect you to. And about a year into Josh and I's marriage, we finally made the decision that, that we were ready to start looking for a house. We had been living in an apartment for the first year, and we felt like we were finally at that place where we could afford to, to buy a house. And so we sat down, we came up with a budget, we talked through all the different things that, that we wanted or didn't want in a house, and we met with a realtor. Now, silly me, I thought that process was going to be really smooth, really quickly, and we weren't going to have any issues. I know. It, it, it was rough. And immediately when, once we met with our realtor, we started looking at all these different houses. We looked at townhouses, we looked at single family houses, and we were trying to figure out what is it that, that we like, what is it that we don't like. And because we were looking at so many houses, I thought to myself, all right, we're going to be able to find something really quickly. We're not going to have an issue finding, finding what we want. About a month into our home search, COVID hit. COVID hit. And let me just tell you, being stuck in an apartment during quarantine is one of the most miserable situations that, that you can find yourself in. All right? It, it was not a fun experience. And when COVID hit, we really didn't know how that was going to impact our home search. A lot of people were losing their jobs. Businesses were being impacted. And it was significantly up in the air about how all of that was going to impact the housing market. And so we kind of had to think through, like, how do we want to proceed with this? Do we want to take a break? Do we want to keep looking? What's the, what's the wise way that, that we can approach this situation? And we ended up deciding that, that we needed to, to press pause on looking for a house. We didn't know how COVID was going to play out. We didn't know how, how the, the housing market would, would be impacted. And so for us, the wisest decision was to wait. And wait, and wait, and wait. And the home search that I thought was going to take roughly about a month, ended up taking us over six months in order to, to be able to find a house. And during that process, I grew very impatient. I felt like we were stuck in our apartment. I felt like we were never going to get out. And during that season, during those six months, I began to feel extremely discontent. Now, I know that I'm not alone in this feeling. Because each one of us has felt discontent before. 
We've all experienced those moments in life where we are not happy with our situation. We feel stuck, we feel unsatisfied, and we begin to to think to ourselves, well, only if I had this, I would be happy. If only I had fill in the blank, then I'd be content. If I just had this one thing, then life would be good. And you see, discontentment can impact every single area of our life. We all struggle with discontentment in different areas of our life, but I think it's especially important when it comes to the idea of dating. You know, just like I had a list of the things that I wanted in my first home, I think many of us have a list of what we want out of a relationship. We have a certain set of expectations that, that we want fulfilled in a relationship. Most likely in your head, you've got this picture of what an ideal relationship looks like to you. You've got expectations on how you want that person to look. Obviously, you expect to find the person that you're dating attractive. Some of you expect that person to to be your very best friend. You expect to hang out with them all the time. You expect to, to confide in them. And based on these expectations that we have, we begin to develop this picture in our head of what we want our relationships to look like. And so once we have that picture in our head, we begin to go looking for the person that's going to fill that picture. They're going to check off all these boxes that that we have for ourselves, and they're going to be this ideal person that that we're going to be in a relationship with. Now, I want you to, to hear me say this. It's not bad to have expectations when it comes to dating. In fact, it's good to have standards. I would encourage you to to have some standards and to have some things that that you look for when when you're thinking about dating someone. And especially if you're a follower of Jesus, there are specific qualities that you should be looking for in a potential boyfriend or girlfriend. And that's kind of what we've been talking about for the past two weeks as we've been unpacking this idea of dating. But if you're not careful... If you're not careful, your expectations can very quickly become unrealistic. If we're not careful, our expectations about dating can very quickly become unrealistic. And here's why. Because what we expect out of dating is typically influenced by our culture. What we expect, the things that, that we look for and, and we say are a perfect ideal, perfect ideal relationship are typically influenced by our culture. Society often tells us that, that in order to be happy, we have to have a relationship. Society will often tell us, like, if you're not engaged by, by this specific age or if you're not married and you don't have kids, then, then maybe you're doing something wrong in life. And social media makes that 10 times worse. Social media makes that 10 times worse. How many times have you ever been scrolling on TikTok or Instagram and you put your phone down and the minute you put your phone down, you immediately feel depressed and sad about your life? We all feel that way. 
We all experience the, the, the depression and the sadness that comes from, from looking at something on social media because we know that it's something that, that we don't have. And unfortunately, social media has become the standard for how we look at our relationships. Social media has become the epitome of what we think a perfect relationship looks like. But what you see on social media is really not an accurate picture of reality. What you see on social media isn't an accurate picture of reality because what you see on social media, the, the perfect couples that you see on social media, they want you to think that about them. That's why they posted the picture or the video that they did. Because that picture or that video, it highlights their best. And they want you to, to see and to think of them highly. They want you to see them at their best. And when we base our expectations for a relationship off of what society tells us and off of what social media tells us, we're always going to be left feeling discontent. We're always gonna be left feeling like, I just can't quite get there. And discontentment, especially when it comes to relationships, is extremely dangerous. So for the next few minutes, I want us to, to talk through some of the dangers of being discontent in a relationship. Some of the ways that, that discontentment can often make us feel or think when, when we're discontent in our relationship. And the first one is this. Discontentment will often lead you to settle. Discontentment will often lead you to settle. Over the years, Matthew and I have seen many students and some college leaders who are desperate to be in relationships. They want someone to hang out with, they want someone to talk to, they want someone to be their best friend, and very quickly it becomes all that they talk about. Like that's all that they talk about is their desire to be in a relationship. And they have this mindset of, if I were in a relationship, then I'd be content. If I were in a relationship, then I would be happy. And when they finally hear that, that someone is interested in them, when someone comes along and is finally interested in them, it's game over. It's absolutely game over. Because someone has finally shown them this attention that they so desperately crave. And here's the craziest thing about this. Usually, it doesn't matter who that person actually is. Sometimes it doesn't even matter if they find that other person attractive or if they have anything in common with them, or even if they share the same spiritual beliefs. Because they have become so obsessed with this idea of being in a relationship that instead of waiting for Mr. Right, they settle for Mr. Right now. Instead of waiting for, for Mr. Right, they settle for, for Mr. Right now. And settling can lead to a lot of unnecessary heartache a difficulty. Settling can, can leave us hurt and can leave us with a lot of regret. But also, discontentment can, can cause us to settle, but also discontentment can also trick you into thinking that, that your girlfriend or your boyfriend 
is the solution to your problems. Discontentment can trick us into thinking that the person that we're dating is the solution to all of life's problems. And when you become emotionally attached to another person, you can begin to see them as the solution to all of your issues. You feel like they understand you, they can sympathize with you, they support you, and all of a sudden your identity and your happiness becomes tied up in this one person. And it feels like together you can take on the world. It feels like together you can handle anything. But I want to caution you, if that's how you approach dating, then you are setting up your girlfriend or your boyfriend to fail. You're setting them up to, to fail before your relationship even starts because your girlfriend or boyfriend is never going to be able to fix all of your problems. And quite frankly, it's not their responsibility to. They shouldn't be playing the role of therapist in your life. They shouldn't be the, the person that's responsible for handling all of your emotional baggage and, and handling all of these things that, that you think are problems in your life. And when you expect for the person that, that you're dating to do that for you, you're placing an unrealistic expectation on that relationship, and it will often leave you feeling extremely disappointed. It'll often leave you feeling extremely disappointed. And then the last thing, discontentment can keep you from enjoying your stage of life. Discontentment will often keep you from enjoying your stage of life. You know, in this room, many of us are in different stages of life when it comes to dating. But regardless of where you're at, I think oftentimes we all tend to think about what's coming next. For instance, if you're single in the room tonight, most likely... There might be someone that, that you're interested in talking to. Or you've at least had the thought of possibly being in a relationship. For those of you that are talking to someone, you might have started to consider what a relationship with that person would look like. You're interested, you're taking things slow, but, but, but you've started to think about making that relationship official. And maybe for those of you in here that, that are in a serious relationship tonight, you've even started, started to think about that next level. What does it look like when we get out of high school and, and we're kind of on our own? But I think when we think like that, there's a temptation to focus more on the next season of life. There's a temptation to focus on what's coming up next rather than enjoying the, the current season that you find yourself in. And I think we do this a lot because we're so afraid to miss out. We're so afraid to miss out on, on what's coming next that we just start rushing forward towards the next step. And when we tend to rush, even when we're not ready for it, we experience some challenges, especially within our relationship. From my experience, what I found is that each season of dating that you're in has both challenges and it has benefits. It has amazing things to it, and it also has some difficulties that come with it. And if you're constantly thinking about that next stage, if you're constantly thinking about what comes next in your relationship, you will never be able to fully enjoy the benefits of the season that you're in. 
And not only will you not be able to enjoy the benefits, you will also no longer appreciate the challenges. You won't appreciate those challenging and difficult times that you have to work through together. And if you're always focused on what's coming next and moving too quickly, you're also going to be left feeling extremely dissatisfied and discontent. And that is why discontentment is so dangerous in our relationships. Discontentment does not let us see clearly what is going on. And we struggle to to feel happy and to feel satisfied within our relationships. So tonight, this is kind of where we're going. This is our main idea tonight. It's going to be on the screen behind me. If you take anything away from tonight's message, I want you to take this away. Your contentment in life is not determined by your relationship status. That's our big idea for tonight. Your contentment in life is not determined by your relationship status. So if our contentment is not determined by our relationship status, where does true contentment come from? How can we feel satisfied and happy regardless of the situations that we find ourselves in? To answer that question, we're going to be looking at at several verses in the book of Philippians. And these verses that we're going to look at tonight, they're not verses that are specific to dating. When Paul wrote these verses, when he wrote the book of Philippians, he wasn't specifically addressing this idea of dating. But he was addressing the issue of contentment that we all face in life. And I think these verses have some extreme relevance for us, regardless of the area of life that that you struggle with contentment. And if you've been here on Sunday mornings, these verses are probably going to be familiar to you because we just walked through them this past week. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, it says this, Now I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Now I want you to consider where Paul was at when he wrote these verses in Philippians. Paul was sitting in a prison cell. Paul had been in jail for for, for teaching and preaching about the good news of Jesus. And the situation that Paul found himself in at the very time that, that he wrote these verses was less than ideal. He wasn't surrounded by family. He wasn't surrounded by friends. He didn't know when he was going to be released or if he was ever going to be released. And back then, you can assume that that prison was not like it is now. It was not an enjoyable place to be. But even though Paul was in this this really bad situation, even though his circumstances weren't great, Paul recognized something very important. You see, Paul understood that his contentment was not determined by his circumstances. Paul understood that that his contentment was not determined by his circumstances. And his happiness, his fulfillment in life did not come from the situation that he found himself in. 
Paul's contentment, it didn't come from from being well-liked. It didn't come from from being popular. His contentment didn't come from making good grades or being the star of the sports team. His contentment didn't even come from his relationship status. Instead, his contentment was found only in his relationship with Jesus. His contentment was found in one place and one place only, and that was his relationship with Jesus. And through Jesus, Paul was able to develop the strength to be content regardless of his circumstances. He could, he could be content regardless of any type of situation that he found himself in. But contentment, it didn't come naturally to Paul. Paul's natural bend wasn't to, to be content regardless of his circumstances. Paul struggled with this. It, it didn't come easy. And I know that it still doesn't come easy to us either. That's because contentment is not like a light switch. Contentment is not this light switch that, that you turn on and off whenever you want to. When you get up in the morning, you, you don't have the ability to say to yourself, well, I'm going to choose to be content today. Like, that's not how it works. Instead, developing contentment is a process. It's a process that takes time. It's a process that, that takes effort and that takes energy. And it's not going to happen immediately. Contentment isn't something that we develop overnight. Now, I want to be real with you for just a minute because I think we all struggle with contentment, but we don't really all, all talk about it. And contentment is still a very real issue that I even experience in my life now. Contentment is not something that, that I have completely figured out. In fact, far from it. There are still specific areas in my life where, where I do feel discontent. There are areas of my life that, that I don't feel satisfied in completely, and I'm still working through that process of developing contentment. Those areas in my life are still a work in progress. But if we're willing to put in the work, we can experience true contentment in life just like Paul did. We have the ability to experience the same contentment that Paul experienced 2,000 years ago. So how do you develop contentment in your life? How do you develop contentment in your life? I want to give you three practical ways that, that you can begin to develop contentment in your life. Now, these three ways are not magical. There's nothing special about them. In fact, alone, these three things are not going to get you to where you want to be. They're not going to make you feel completely content with your life. But these are three things that, that I have found extremely helpful as I've walked through this process of developing contentment. And as I have strived to, to be more content, just like the contentment that Paul talks about in Philippians. And so the first way that, that we can develop contentment is this. Number one, acknowledge your discontentment. Acknowledge your discontentment. In order for you to, to fix a problem in your life, you've always got to be able to identify that there is one first. And this is usually the hardest part. 
A lot of times when we have a, a problem in our life, we don't want to admit it. We don't want to own it. We don't want to admit that that's something that we're struggling with. And, and owning your problem is always the hardest part because it requires you to be honest with yourself. It requires you to, to take a long look and examine your heart and to begin to, to ask yourself some tough questions. And if that's you here tonight, if you're thinking, ah, I don't know if I struggle with this issue of discontentment, I want you to ask yourself this question. What am I wanting that I'm not getting? What do I want in life that I currently don't have? And the answer to that question honestly might surprise some of you. Because when we ask ourselves that question, it reveals what's in our heart. It reveals those, those underlying motives, those things that, that we're struggling with. And oftentimes discontentment is just right here at the surface. Discontentment is just a side effect of a bigger problem that's going on in our life. Maybe some of you, you're discontent because you're extremely insecure about yourself. Maybe some of you are discontent because you're struggling with, with some sort of, of self-worth or, or you've got some issue with, with identity and where your identity is found in. Some of you are discontent because you're jealous. There's another person in your life that, that has something that, that you don't have. Or maybe some of you are even discontent because you're trying so hard over and over and over again to fit in. But whatever it is that's driving your discontentment, whatever it is that, that, that's underneath the surface of your discontentment, the first step is that you have to acknowledge it. Because if you can't acknowledge your discontentment, you're never gonna be able to, to move forward in this process. The second thing is this. The second thing is this. Pray through it. Pray through it. I understand that this one might, might sound a little different, but, but let me explain. Discontentment is not a problem that you can fix on your own. As hard as you may try, discontentment is not something that you can do on your own. And without God's help, you will never experience this true contentment that Paul talks about. Because that contentment can only be found in one person. And that person is Jesus. And in order for Jesus to begin to develop contentment in your life, you have to invite him to be a part of the process. You have to invite him to be a part of the process of developing contentment in your life. And the best way that you can do that is through prayer. You must be willing to, to come before, before God and admit like, hey, I'm struggling with this. Discontentment, this is a real issue in my life. And you have to invite him to begin to change your heart. You know, the Bible tells us that when we come to God in prayer, when we come to God honestly and openly, that he hears us and that he listens to us. But, but praying about discontentment is not just a one-time thing. It's not a, a one and done something I, I don't have to worry about after I already do it. Asking God to change our heart, 
especially when it comes to discontentment, is a decision that we have to make every single day. It's a prayer that we have to pray every single day and it has to become a part of our regular prayer life. Because discontentment is not something that that we can achieve on our own. And the last thing is this. The last way that that we can begin to, to develop contentment is by practicing gratitude. Practicing gratitude. When was the last time that you stopped and actually thanked God for something that he'd done in your life? When was the last time that you stopped and thanked God for, for, for this blessing that you have in your life? Whatever it is. And I'm not talking about thanking God for the food that you're getting ready to eat. You know, oftentimes we are too focused on the things that, that we don't have. We're consumed with the things that, that we don't have. And rather than thanking God for what he's already provided... Rather than thanking God and saying, hey, I'm so glad that you blessed me with this. We're constantly focused on on what we don't have yet. And you will never learn to be content if if your focus is on what you don't have. You will never experience contentment if your focus is on the things that, that you don't have. But when we're grateful... When we practice gratitude, it refocuses our attention onto the things that that we do have. It helps to shift our perspective off of the things that, that that we don't have, that we still want, and rather focus on those blessings and those good things that God has already given to us in life. And so I wanna challenge you tonight to be thankful regardless of the situation you find yourself in and to focus specifically on where God has you right now. Because I don't want you to miss out on what God is trying to teach you in the present because you are so focused on on the things of the future. And you're so concerned with the things that you don't have. Because ultimately, your contentment is not determined by your relationship status or anything else you have in life. True contentment is only found in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much tonight for all that you have given us. Each one of us in this room are blessed more than we would ever know. But oftentimes our tendency is to focus on the things that, that we don't have to focus on the things that, that we wish we had. And Father, that can leave us feeling extremely discontent even when it comes to our relationships. And so I lift up each one of these students in here tonight who is wrestling with these feelings of discontentment. Each one of them who, who still feel like if only they had blank, they would be happy. And God, I pray that that you would begin to to change their heart and to develop true contentment in them. Because apart from you, as hard as we try, as much effort and as much practice as we put into it, we are never going to be able to be fully content if you're not in the middle of it. 
And so, Father, I pray that, that you would step into each one of our lives and to begin to develop that true contentment that, that we can only experience in you. And I thank you for, for the gift of contentment that you give us. The fact that we don't have to, to want or to need or to think about the things that we don't have because in you, we have everything that we need. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.